Hey there, lady. You're tuned into Wine and Gine, a lively woman's health podcast hosted by two licensed midwives, Kelly Pappas and Tiffany Alblinger. We're dragging every sister, mom, and best friend on our mission to make chatting about the female body and everything that comes along with it a normal and amusing thing. Grab a glass of wine with us while we flex our vagina expertise and dish on women's health topics each episode. Remember, you too can be a vagina expert because you have one. Welcome back, Gyners. It's Kelly and Tiffany, and we are back with you this week with another guest who we know that you are going to love. We are chatting with an awesome local psychotherapist. Her name is Abby Bird, and we are chatting all things women's mental health this week, and we're excited to jump in. Thank you, Abby, for coming on to the Wine and Guide podcast with us. We are so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Um, why don't you give our listeners a quick, a quick introduction um, so they can get familiar with why we have asked you to come guest with us today. Sure. Well, thank you so much. So I am a licensed clinical social worker and psychotherapist. So that means I talk with people um, to help them in that capacity. I've really been doing that all my adult life. I fell into that when I was in college. And then my specialty is in the mental health of women in the reproductive life cycle. So that could be perinatal mental health related to pregnancy, postpartum, as well as even just deciding if they want to have children, um, trying to conceive, fertility, as well as other routes to becoming a parent like surrogacy and adoption, um, as well as loss. So there's a there's a just like a lot of fun things in this life stage. Um, You know, it's really changing our identity. We're going through transition. We're helping other people, but we're growing and changing ourselves. So it's, it's a fun time um, for women. And I also work with men and people of all genders. um, So it's a fun life stage. Yay. Yeah. So, I mean, there is a ton that's fun about it, right? Like a very sweet um, aspect to it. But one of your specialties is sort of the other side of that fun, right? Another side of that, like, transition and that change Uh and all of that, which is, um, like, our mood disorders, right? And so that can be... Yeah. That can be both related to pregnancy and becoming a parent, but also just, uh, you know, in general during these reproductive years. So what is that like? Like, how would a listener of ours know or, like you know, have any of these signs that they're like, oh, what she's talking about is actually what I'm experiencing right now. Well, I'm chuckling to myself a little bit because I think what's fun to me as a therapist is probably not necessarily fun for people (laughs) living in the middle of it. Yes, absolutely. Like, I actually think, like, oh, feeling all the feels is good. And people might, other people might say, like, ah, no, please no. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think you really are tapping on something and that this stage can be really hard, really brutal. Um, You could be diagnosed with a full-blown mood or anxiety disorder or other mental health condition, um, or it could be really transcendental and you feel like loved and 
and supported. And I think that for me, that's the fun part is being able to be in the middle of that and help tip the balance from one extreme to the other. That is lovely. That's such a lovely way to phrase Mm -hmm. how to like navigate a challenge with mental health. Um, Share with our listeners a little bit about like the spectrum of mood disorders, especially just for women and um, what some of those symptoms might be. Like what do women experience when um, they have just some of the most, you know, general mood disorders like anxiety, depression? Yeah. Well, yeah, so let's just kind of cover some of the basics. I think nowadays most people are aware of postpartum depression, which is relatively common. It um, can be diagnosed in one in seven women and one in seven, I'm sorry, one in seven women and one in 10 men. And so postpartum depression um, is a clinical depression um, that typically occurs after the birth of a baby, but it really, we're, we see and we treat people who are experiencing it during pregnancy and really even sometimes years after birth. And so um, another thing that we're seeing is that it's not just depression, but anxiety is even more common. So postpartum anxiety affects one in five women, um, and it's got to be more than one in 10 men. And so I think some of the things that I'm passionate about is like prevention is starting to help people look out for these things. So they're not worried um, that they have plans. Um, So is that answer your question or do you want to go in a particular direction? Yeah, no, I think you answered the question wonderfully. Um, I'm wondering how prevalent the issue is outside of the birthing year or we call it like the childbearing year so like a lot of people are aware of postpartum depression but like you said postpartum anxiety is even more prevalent um what would women notice and feel in their lives before even becoming pregnant that might contribute to um having a postpartum mood disorder so what are some of the risk factors yeah. like what puts you at a greater risk yeah okay so having had any previous experiences of depression and anxiety is the is the biggest risk factor for developing a perinatal mood or anxiety disorder um so if you and it doesn't have to be diagnosed or treated in the past but if you feel like yeah i've gone through some kind of episode before um this is a little known this one isn't really researched but something that i think is super interesting is if you are someone that is especially sensitive to your cycle, um, and so we might you you might be even diagnosed with premenstrual dysphoric disorder, which is getting um, more depressed in the week before your menstrual cycle starts. Um, then you might be someone who is a little bit more sensitive emotionally to those hormonal changes, and we all are on a spectrum. But if that is more intense for you. Um, we're starting to look into the research. It kind of makes sense that then you might be a little bit more sensitive to the hormonal drop um, postpartum or the hormonal changes throughout pregnancy. Um, But other risk factors that we know for sure is if you are an older mom or if you are a younger mom. So if you are um, 
experiencing a birth um, or your basically your reproductive story is veering from what you anticipated. And so if you are finding now that you're older than you had anticipated, there's you're at greater risk. If you are young, like a teen mom, then you're at a greater risk for mood or anxiety disorders. Um, and, you know, if you're having any kind of difficulty getting pregnant um, or any loss, that's what we call um, really a, a challenge to your reproductive story. So the reproductive story is this idea that we maybe have consciously in our heads or maybe unconsciously, most of us, maybe from like childhood, we have this thought, um, some, somebody might think like, oh yeah, one day I'll get married and have two or three kids. Um, but nobody says to themselves, like one day I'm going to have six miscarriages and three failed IVF rounds. Um, and, and that's just not what anybody wants. And so it's multiple losses. It's the loss itself as well as the loss of the story. And so having your reproductive story veer out of your control um, puts us at risk. And I think like reproduction is this time where we're so out of control. A lot of times I work with women who um, have been successful in their careers, in school, they set their mind to something, they accomplish it. And then it's like, okay, I'm going to tick this box. And then it's like, why is this not happening? What's wrong with me? So starting to take that personally can can contribute to depression and anxiety. And then kind of to piggyback off that too, I feel like uh, then that mom does get pregnant, carries her baby, and everybody says, well, you should be so happy, right? Like, oh, you got right. in the expectation and the mom is like, well, I should be. And it's a wonderful, beautiful thing. Guilt. But now there's guilt. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, yeah, so guilt for not being happy about that child you so wanted. But right. of course, you're not going to enjoy every moment of it. Yes, absolutely. So I would love to hear a little bit of your explanation between maybe some more common uh, and normal symptoms uh, postpartum, yeah. right? Like, okay, so I'm maybe kind like of... Maybe the baby I, blues? Yeah, or yes, for sure that. Maybe some, a bit of like anxiety stuff too. Like, oh, I'm concerned <clears throat> about my baby's cough versus like I'm up all night by my baby's bedside because I'm terrified and I'm thinking these thoughts. And, you know, just the differences of maybe some some more common um, experiences versus something that would be more uh, in the mood disorder. Yeah, so that's a great question. So really what you're getting at is that everything is a spectrum, Mm -hmm. right? And so we all have some depression, we all have some anxiety. It's like when when does the spectrum increase to the point where it's problematic? Um, I'm not super big on diagnosis labels, if that's helpful to you, maybe, but I'd like to work with people on like, this is problematic, Mm. and we want to change it to have less anxiety or less depression. Um, So um, as I threw out the baby blues, it's super common, what, like 85, 90%, depending on who you ask, are going to experience some kind of tearfulness or weepiness or lower mood, maybe like two weeks after. Um, It's kind of um, goes along with that hormone drop. Maybe it starts at that four days after the birth of a baby. That's common and to be expected. But if it's lasting much more than two weeks, if you're three months postpartum, it's not the baby blues anymore. Um, and so the difference I think is really is how much is it affecting you? So if you find that you're a little bit more sentimental or you're crying because it's an intense time in your life, um, That is somewhat to be expected, but if you cannot be comforted by the others around you, 
or if the things that you usually do to make yourself feel better in a healthy way aren't working, then that's a concern. And the same with anxiety. So, of course, a new, especially first time or new Mm -hmm. parent um, is going to be anxious because there's so much we don't know. And so worrying about germs, um, worrying about your baby's health, that's to be expected. Um, Kind of like a nice way to tell if it's problematic or not is how, like, can someone comfort you? If you call up the pediatrician and they give you reassurance, you're like, okay, great. I don't have to worry about it. Or were you still up? all night not able to sleep when they sleep because you're researching it on google you're googling the symptoms um if a mom is not sleeping when the baby's sleeping because they're worried the baby will stop breathing that's problematic for mom's sleep um we think sleep is a huge risk factor so we have to be really protective of a mom's sleep especially to make sure um that she's doing okay Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, you brought up a you brought up a point for me a little bit ago when you were talking about premenstrual dysphoric disorder because we talked mm-hmm. about that in our PMF PMS episode a few weeks ago and we didn't have a chance to dive into that very much. You sh- you gave a little bit of an explanation like feeling much more depressed right before your period um, comes. How do women know? Um, if that's problematic for them, right? Because a lot of those yeah. symptoms are going to get brushed off as like normal PMS. Right. Um, so I think almost what you're tapping into is like the misogyny that is so pervasive in the medical field, um, how conditions that mostly affect women are ignored or minimized, kind of brushed off. Um, and so you know, we, I think we were talking before this a little bit about how women are expected to be kind of like cheerful and happy. And so if you are grouchy or, you know, there's all kinds of misogynist words like bitchy that are getting applied and, and judged and labeled. So then women are having this pressure to, you know, I have to make everybody think that I'm feeling okay or cause then they're going to feel bad. Um, and so it's either this guilt and pressure to feel good all the time or uh, pressure to kind of keep a mask on that I'm okay. Yeah, I think that is going to resonate with a lot of women. Mm-hmm. I know just because that's what we do as women, right? Like we mm-hmm. keep things together. We carry on. Um, we have a lot of body image issues that keep us right. from being able to function normally. Um, I really like that, you're, that you have something to say on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so in the postpartum stage, it could look like I'm only going to post a picture on Facebook where I'm all put together and I have, like, my hair and makeup done and my house looks clean and I'm smiling and everything's wonderful versus starting to be real with people about the complexity of life that there's highs, but there's also lows. And those can be next to each other and that sort of dichotomy is okay. And I think we have often been conditioned to grow up being like, this is either one thing or the other, right? It can't be both at the Mm -hmm. same time. And um, I think this probably plays into how many women we've had in our office. Uh, You know, we talk a lot about postpartum planning during the prenatal period with our midwifery clients. Yes, right? Um, But how many of them will say, oh, well, after my first baby or my second or whatever number, 
I didn't realize it until afterwards, but I was in a really deep, dark place, right? They didn't necessarily uh, associate what they were going through as something that was Mm -hmm. problematic because they thought it was normal. And many of them said, have said, like, I'm a mom, I should, you know, I should have it together. I should be able to pull it together and enjoy this. Um, So I guess I'd like to hear... Just kind of a little bit about that, if you think that plays into yeah. maybe women not seeking support or help for these 100%. issues. hundred percent. Yeah. So you're really what you're getting at is is the stigma. You know, I think we've finally grown out of the stage where everybody thinks like, oh, you have to be so crazy to go see a therapist to the next step, which is like, oh, it's totally fine if my friend sees a therapist, but I Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have to. Mm -hmm. I should be strong. I should have it all together. I should pull myself up. And so then it is like a burden and a barrier to asking for help and knowing that it's okay to say like, you know, this is challenging. This is hard. And gosh, yes, it would be nice to have some support. Abby, do you think that the incidence of problematic mental health symptoms has gone up in the more recent years than it used to be? I think in some ways, oh gosh. So I think in some ways, yes. I think that we live in the age of anxiety. And I think that everybody in general in the general population is experiencing much more anxiety nowadays than we did, you know, not that long ago. I think um, the presence of news and the intrusiveness of um, social media is kind of ramping up our anxiety. But on the other hand, I kind of feel like we are maybe are more aware of it. So like postpartum depression, I feel like we're talking about more. Um, But I also think if you want to go back a few more generations, Um, And sometimes if you look at traditional cultures, they really don't have the same problems we have because there's a village embracing the family. Sometimes I look at um, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders as like, why are we calling this mom's diagnosis? This is a societal problem. If this family was like fully embraced in support, maybe a parent that's completely isolated at home, like cut off, doesn't have family support, doesn't have um, friends there, um, you know, how much better would she be feeling? And would there, you know, would she even have have any of these symptoms at all? Yeah, man, that's so true. It is so true. It's so true. So that reminds me of one of the reasons that we really wanted to have you on the podcast is because you share about postpartum depression from a really hopeful place, um, Mm -hmm. which is in prevention. Yes. Can you tell us about that a little bit? Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, So knowing all these things, like especially if you are recognizing any of the risk factors um, or if you feel like you know what, I don't actually have a lot of family support around. Um, Why not take some time to kind of build it up? I love that you talk about postpartum plans. You know, if someone's going to spend five hours researching their baby registry for their baby shower, why not spend as much time thinking about like yourself and what you're going to need physically as well as mentally and emotionally um, and socially. So 
a really hard stumbling block, especially for, you know, the women that we've been talking about that have been socialized to be nice and take care of others is that it's hard to ask for help. Um, so the simple things like asking for meals, asking if you have an older child for someone to watch your older children, um, it, that, that's a really hard one for women. So starting to kind of have a comprehensive plan, um, for how you're going to cope psychologically, socially getting support. Um, there's, so if you are kind of like an evidence-based person, if you like to look at the research and do things that have some evidence behind them, I think it was about a year ago, the U.S. Preventative Services Task Force came out and said that two forms of counseling are really the most effective way to prevent postpartum depression. And so that was kind of exciting to me because they're the ones I'm already using. One is cognitive behavioral therapy and one is interpersonal psychotherapy. And not only are those shown to treat these conditions that we can use them to prevent. Man, I love that. I love that there's hope for somebody who's going into that experience saying like, oh, I, I recognize I already struggle with some of these things or look at these things yeah. lined up. I know I don't have much support. I know this looks different than I anticipated. And so why not, right? Take mm-hmm. the step to take care of myself and care for myself um, in this way. So that's that's huge. I love that you bring that to the table because, uh, yeah, I think recognizing it in the moment and uh, reacting to it and treating it in the moment is great and needed. But if we can step ahead um, or behind or whatever, right, and try to nip it before it becomes an issue or at the very least provide all those resources before it happens so that when moms are experiencing these things they say oh yeah I remember learning about this (laughs) I'm seeing this in myself um and there's and there's hope so exactly and it's like gathering your resources and maybe you won't need it but Mm -hmm. when you're depressed or anxious it's a billion times harder to reach out and say like gosh now where am I going to find a therapist um, versus if you say like, you know, I don't need it right now, but in case I do here, I've identified three potential places I could turn. Yeah, absolutely. And so what are some of those places that people can turn if they're evaluating where their mental health is right now and they're listening yeah. and they're thinking, yeah, I probably should like <laughs> do something about that. What do they do? So we'll give you just first, like a one-stop shop is Postpartum Support International. So it's an international nonprofit really around perinatal mental health. Um, They have amazing trainings if you're in the mental health field and as well as people who are just in allied professions or for peer support. And so Postpartum Support International has a directory of therapists internationally who have Um, experience and expertise and training and working with this stage. They have online support groups that are free um, and just a lot of resources. So that's, that's like my first recommendation. Um, Just thinking that you probably have listeners from, from all over, um, not just in San Diego County, like us. Awesome. And then for people who are in San Diego County, because that does end up being a good amount. Um, how, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how can they get how can they get connected to help and then also how can they get connected with you 
Oh, thank you. So in general in San Diego, um, I've been a part of the Postpartum Health Alliance for a long time, which is a local nonprofit in San Diego. The Postpartum Health Alliance has a warm line and a directory. So when I'm looking for a referral for a therapist, um, maybe in a specific part of town or that takes a specific health insurance, I always go to the Postpartum Health Alliance directory, provider directory, and I just kind of this is my trick is I put the name of the insurance in the search bar and then it kind of comes up with what therapist. Um, so if somebody That's a hot wants right to there. work with me, yeah, <laughs> if somebody wants to work with me personally for therapy, it have to be within the state of California because that's just the way that my license works. Um, I am starting to do a little bit more teletherapy um, with people throughout the state so they don't even necessarily have to be in San Diego. Um, and then for just old fashioned, come to the office, have a safe safe place just for you. My office is in Claremont, the Claremont neighborhood of San Diego. Um, and I guess finding me, I don't know if you could, we could put links in, um, bird therapy is B U R D therapy.com is my main website for counseling. And then if anybody wants to know a little bit more just about prevention, maybe you feel like eh, I don't need therapy, but I just want to learn a little bit more. I have two courses out right, out right now that are online courses. They can be taken from anywhere. They're always, they're open. Um, and the first one is called prevent postpartum depression. Um, but it really targets anxiety as well as going really in depth into the common perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. And the part that I'm super proud of is that it's not just learning about PMADs, as we call them, but really how to prevent them. So like specific skills and strategies that usually you just do in therapy are, are there for you can walk through them. Um, the format is uh, videos readings and then there's guided journaling and then um kind of a secure comment area for interacting with other other people that are in there um so that's prevent postpartum depression and then just last month i launched relationships after baby because that's a whole other topic yes it is so important change um two-thirds of couples are experiencing less satisfaction in their relationship. Um, so it's like, how how can we kind of grow through this together versus turning against each other? Man, I mean, you mentioned that you were proud of your of those courses and we're like so proud to know you and to be able to share them with people <laughs> because it's, it is so important and we're just so thankful for your time and your expertise and um, your thoughtful uh, insight on this whole topic. Oh, thank you. Thank you for coming, Abby. We will link all of the ways to get connected um, with you in our show notes. And we'll be sharing on our Instagram all week on how people can learn more about you, what you have to Yay. offer. And, um, and yeah, get connected to you. So thank you again for coming on the podcast. Yeah, my pleasure. And I love Instagram. Like Instagram is like <laughs> the best thing ever for mental health. Like it's like in recent years, it's like I love the positivity that's on there and the resources mm-hmm. and how people are being real. So yeah. yeah, it's a good spot for yeah. sure. It's our favorite too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we will say goodbye for now, but we'll plan on having you on again. I'd love to. All right. Thanks, Abby. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thanks so much for tuning into the Wine and Gyne podcast. To connect with Tiffany and Kelly and all of your fellow Gyners, be sure to join them on Instagram at wine underscore and underscore Gyne or over on their website, wineandgynepodcast.com. Have a great day, vagina experts.